There he is. Hello. Uh, what is up, everyone? Wow. You want to talk about some technical difficulties? How is everyone doing? It is episode 14 here on the Chalk Talk Nation weekly podcast every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for tuning in, taking time out of your busy weekend to spend it with Noah and I. Noah, how was your week? Oh, it's it's been good. You know, I feel like all the weeks and all the days are just kind of blending together. What are we, like two months into quarantine at this point? But yeah, you know, I'm live, still living, so I guess that's all I can ask for. Well, and that's the funny thing, too. It's like, oh, let's go ahead and let's start our website, let's start our podcast, and then literally like a week or two later, boom, here comes Corona. It's like, ha-ha. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, there's been it seems like there's been a little bit of speculation around Major League Baseball and whatnot kind of with the players real quick before we dive into our top ten left field. I wanted to talk to you a little bit. We know that Blake Snell, uh, he talked about, his issues with it about not getting paid and how he's only getting 33% and that's without the taxes coming out. What do you think about that? Do you agree with Blake Snell or no? I 100% agree with Blake Snell. I think that one, like we talked about last week, they've already agreed to a pay cut of of 50%. I don't think that they need to take another pay cut on top of that. Right. Um, I think it's also interesting that the owners and like baseball officials and stuff like that have only taken a 35% pay cut, but yet they're asking players to take over 50%. Um, also on top of that, another thing that a lot of people that's not really getting reported is that the reason Blake Snell said that he wasn't going to play for less money is because he has a lung condition. So for him, he's higher risk than most of the other people anyways. And he said, if I'm not going to get paid even mm-hmm. 50% of what I would normally be making, it's not worth it to me to play. And so, frankly, I don't see anything wrong with what Blake Snell said. And I just think that the way it kind of got reported and broken originally kind of made it seem like he was just saying, oh, well, screw that. I'm just not going to play. When like really, he's being I greedy. To it. Yeah. Right. Because that's the thing. Without context, you're going to think that he's being greedy. But when literally, you know, Corona, it affects the people who do have these conditions. You know, it's not just only people the age of what is it over 60, they say is where you're mostly affected. But you know, when you do have asthma or, you know, uh, a lung disease or something like that, like that is some serious stuff, you know, and until it happens to you, you, you don't think it's going to be serious. And that's just right. the, the cold, hard truth. And so, you know, as we know, NASCAR started back up today, they're actually racing as we uh, speak. And, um, and for me, like I have exercise induced asthma, but for me, that was just because I was always fat and out of shape and I hated exercising. So like anytime I did, I'd be like huffing and puffing, (laughs) but, but no, so NASCAR is back and hopefully they can come to an agreement come July, hopefully, because you know, as reports, you did a piece on it, come back mid June for a two week spring training and then maybe start in July. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that. Um, do you have any final thoughts real quick before we dive into what the viewers want to see here? Yeah, I mean, I just want to briefly mention uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Durlich or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't remember exactly how to pronounce his name, but they kind of they wrote a piece about what the MLB had proposed as far as safety precaution stuff go for keeping social distancing. It, it's basically what you would expect it to be, where it's like no one's allowed to chew tobacco or spit seeds or anything like that. They don't want people high fiving. It's pretty much what you would expect. But if you're interested in actually going through and reading all that stuff, it's all up on Ken Rosenthal's Twitter. But I just figured I'd mention it. And I can retweet the tweet out after we're done here that actually has all the information. But just thought it'd be worth mentioning. Yeah, Noah's an absolute beast. So uh, I'm sure he'll do that. And speaking of Noah being a beast, he created his first video of the Mariners franchise. Now, uh, you, you guys know if you tune into my live streams, I... I'm trying to get back into it, but, you know, doing the Marlins franchise, that was more just playing, right? 
Mm. Noah goes completely in depth with, you know, positional players and and whatnot. I'm, I'm sure you could go into the details of it, but that video is going to be live tonight, uh, soon after this podcast. And I really think you guys should tune into that. I think it's a good video. And th- was there another thing that we had coming out or something like that, like a like an article or something? Oh, your uh, be be on the lookout. I I put something up last week. I think a lot of people saw it over on Twitter, just with like an actual article form of when we did the catcher last week. Expect mm-hmm. that for not only the left fielders one, but also catching up on the positions so the rest of the infield. Those will be up within the next week or two on the on the website as well. So just be on the lookout for that. So be on the lookout and be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. It's free. You can also subscribe to our website at www.chalktalknation.com. You can get a newsletter that we'll be working on here pretty soon. And we've gotten a lot of subscribers. It's actually pretty cool. It's you know it seems like we're finally starting to get where we want to be and just building a community and talking baseball, talking shop with everyone. It's it's a lot of fun at what. It's what drives us, especially during uh, the coronavirus. And also, you know, on Twitch, appreciate you guys always tuning in and whatnot. But let's go ahead and dive in to our top 10 left fielders. Uh, it's a very subjective list. And as you all know who tune into the podcast weekly, Noah tends to lean more in fan graphs. I tend to lean more in baseball reference. So some statistics like war and stuff like that are uh, a little bit different, but I think it's going to be interesting so with that being said noah give us your number 10 all right well my number 10 would be the 29 year old outfielder for the atlanta braves in marcelo zuna uh 130 games last year 29 home runs 336 weighted on base average one and nine wrc plus basically just slightly above average numbers uh, one thing you're going to notice throughout this list as we keep going through, guys, is there are a lot of really, really bad defenders in left field. Uh, I pulled the <laughs> outs above average stats for all these guys, and yep. Marcelo Zuna falls in at negative eight. Uh, that's going to be a pretty common place here in Sheesh. the in the rankings. But Marcelo Zuna is a guy that has really fallen off defensively. I mean, this is a guy that won a gold glove in 2017, and now he's negative eight outs above average, which is pretty bad. Uh, he's, an, he's a guy that also really consistently under, underperforms like his expected stats. So if you look at stuff like expected weighted on base average, it could be like 340, 350, but yet he's always in the 320s, 330s. It's just kind of, I'm not sure if that's just the player that he is, or maybe one of these years he's going to have like a breakout and just suddenly jump way up this list. Um, one thing that kind of suggests that he might improve would be that the batting average on balls in play was really low. It was like 50 points below his career average, so that would suggest that he got really unlucky last year. And then on top of that, he's kind of betting on himself this year. He signed a one-year deal, which means that basically he's looking to get paid this offseason. <laughs> can be hard Probably now. not working out too well for him considering mm-hmm. everything that's happened so far this year, but it's going to be one of those things where he's definitely going to have to go out and prove that he can play if he wants to get paid this offseason. Yeah, and that's exactly what Josh Donaldson did last year when he signed with the Braves. You know, get the pillow contract, you perform, you get over 900 OPS, big boy, you're getting yourself a big contract. You know, you're getting the four- to five-year deal. And that is exactly what Marcelo Zuna was hoping for, you know, and I couldn't agree more. Marcelo Zuna is actually my number 10 as well. You know, the OPS is 800, and he's he's always battled injuries, I, fe- I felt like. You know, when he was with Miami and then also St. Louis, it, it seemed like he's always had some type of, of issue and but you know the guy still does i mean he he hit 29 bombs uh last year uh with St. Louis and you know 
it's just kind of hard because, like you said, there's so many left fielders that are so bad defensively. You know, and outs above average. Mm-hmm. Like, what what plays can you get? And um, real quick, for those who don't know what outs above average is, here's the definition. Outs above average is the cumulative effect of all individual plays a fielder has been credited or debited with, making it a range-based metric of fielding skill that accounts for the number of plays made and the difficulty of them. So, for example, if a fielder who catches a 25% uh, out probability play, he gets plus .75. You know, you have to add it up to one. And so one who fails to make the play gets negative .25. And so when Noah talks about Marcel Zuna being, what, negative 11? Negative 8. Negative 8. Sorry, there's other players that I have in mind that are negative 11. Yeah, uh, negative no, I 8. I one on the list, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I do, too. But... That that means like he's not making you know most of the plays that he probably could make or that have mm-hmm. an easier probability of catching. So I hope that helps break things down a little bit because we talk about outs above average a lot, except for like the catching position really in pitchers. So um, that's something to be on the lookout for. So Marcel Azuna is my number ten as well. All right, well, I'll get into number nine with another guy that's a f- bit of a free swinger in Kyle Schwarber, uh, twenty-seven years old. Did play in 155 games last year, 38 bombs, uh, 357 weighted on base average, 120 WRC plus. Another guy with really, really bad defense. He's at negative 10 outs above average. Wait, who'd you say again? Uh, I'm sorry. Kyle Schwarber. Okay. God. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that came up playing catcher. They kind of moved to left field because he wasn't really that good as a catcher. Um, one of the things that has been nice to see, he's only 27, and his offensive numbers have really had solid improvement every year that he's been in the big leagues. Obviously, he missed the one year with the injury, but then came up big in the playoffs. So he's every year he's shown improvement at the plate. I think being 27 and a guy that puts out a bit more offensive production than what Marcelo Ozuna does, I, I, that's why I have him ahead at number nine. Okay, interesting. I had him kind of floating towards the back end, and, and that's what's so hard because you really have to narrow it down to the top ten left fielders in a given position uh for me for my number nine i have Corey dickerson uh new newly acquired uh on a two-year deal i believe with the miami marlins and for those who know know i love the miami marlins uh so with Corey dickerson i know he's he's 30 31 years of age but i feel like this is the chance where he could really really shine so last year he he had a 906 uh, ops 131 ops plus and the thing, the thing is too though, he's not that great defensively. I I know that, but you know he still hit two ninety three. The one thing that was harder for me not to put him up in the list too, the OBP is just not just not good, and um you know you have to think too what could it be you know if it was a little bit better, you know but he still was able to put up those kind of numbers. I think. He's going to be the guy. I think he has a really big chance to really be like the guy for the Marlins, just like with Jonathan VR. So they're going to mirror each other very well, I feel like. And I feel big things happening for him. But yet again, it could go on the flip side where, you know, you see the offensive numbers kind of fall down a little bit just because, I, I don't know, maybe the level plays a little bit down. But I don't know. I like Corey Dickerson. I have him at number nine. Yeah, yeah I Corey Dickerson didn't make my list, but – He's been a guy that's had a really weird last couple of years. I think one of the big things for him is just can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy and he plays full time, he's definitely a guy that's all star caliber. He's proved that in the past. Mm-hmm. But when I say weird, uh, I believe it's 2017 is when he was an all star for the Tampa Bay Rays and then got DFA'd at the end of the season. 
Yeah. Which like who DFA's their all stars? That's an odd thing to do. That but is. Very I odd. think it's just one of those things where like he's got the tools to do it. Uh, they moved the fences in in Miami this year, and so I think that that could also help him a, a bit uh, as far as production goes offensively. But until he actually puts together that season, that I wasn't ready to put him on my list. Makes but sense. He was definitely a guy that I considered. Uh, moving on to my number eight, though, I have the Pittsburgh Pirate, I guess going to be second-year player now, and Brian Reynolds, the 25-year-old switch hitter, uh, came up and really produced really well. He's pretty much one of the two bright spots on the entire Pittsburgh organization last year. Uh, 314 batting average, 377 on-base percentage, 503 slugging, 131 WRC+, put up 3.2 F4, 16 home runs isn't great, but as a guy that's playing left left in a lot of times probably this year more even in center field I like that's fine uh fourth in the NL rookie of the year voting last year as well and he actually was one of the better defenders on this list at negative one outs above average which is pretty <laughs> crazy to say oh my but, god uh, that's why you put your worst outfielder in left field yeah and I I will be interested to see because the Pirates went out and they traded Starling Marte this offseason to the Diamondbacks and so Brian Reynolds mm-hmm. is kind of going to have to become like their guy in the outfield they've got Josh Bell at first base We've talked about him with the first baseman list. Hopefully he can put together a full season. But now yeah. it's kind of going to be, can Brian Reynolds be their guy in the outfield? Because they've had Gregory Polanco, and he just hasn't stepped up to the task over the past four or five seasons. So Brian Reynolds is going to be the guy that they're going to kind of be putting the spotlight on. And so it'll just be interesting to see whether or not he can cut it and be their be their star. Dude, I'm s- <laughs> you mentioned Gregory Polanco. Every time I hear that name, I just think of him just like tripping over air and missing that ball to lose the game. Was that? I think that was at Chicago, wasn't it? I, I believe. I think so, and it was. But yeah. You just. But it was like when they were actually somewhat decent too, which is the funny part. I just. <laughs> okay, so with Brian Reynolds, real quick, I have a question. Was he part of that Austin Meadows deal, like with Chris Archer and whatnot, or is he already a prospect? No, no, he was with them. So the they, the Pirates, I'm pretty sure the only thing that they got back was Chris Archer, and That's then what this, I thought. This, this, right, and then they gave up. Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now and uh, and ended up being Shane Baz was the other guy that they gave up. So, Can yeah, we... no, they got straight fleece. There's no redeeming that trade. That's that's one of the worst trades I've seen in the past ten years. Um, but just just think about this: how nasty the Pirates team really could be. We're talking like a ninety win team potentially. Think about you know Trevor Williams, Joe Musgrove, screw Chris Chris Archer, Tyler Glass now like a one two three punch right there is disgusting. Right. Well, yeah, and you think about they could have held on to Garrett Cole too. Right, and they still have Mitch Keller, who's like a big prospect, coming up, and then you know, yeah, and Garrett Cole, like you said, that'd be right. insane. Here's what I'll say about that though: is that it doesn't seem like the Pirates are that great at getting pitchers to reach their full potential. I mean, you look at a guy <laughs> obviously like Cole, he was he was a good he was an all-star pitcher mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, but then he goes to the Astros and suddenly he's the best starting pitcher in the league, or like at least arguably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you look yeah, at a guy sure. like Charlie Morton leaves the Pirates, goes to the Astros at 35 years old, suddenly he's dealing, and now he's like an, an arguable ace at like 36, 37 years old. Yeah. Right, so I think it's one of those things where I, I feel like maybe it's hard for pitchers to reach their full potential in Pittsburgh. So you can dream about what their rotation would be, but there's no telling whether or not Tyler Glasnow would be the Tyler Glasnow he is for the Rays if he was still in Pittsburgh. That's... It's kind of it's hard, hard to know. And that's probably why they, they got rid of glass now maybe potentially too and meadows because i mean meadows he was already up in the league with pittsburgh but obviously we know how he's performed and you know get used to that name but but anyway the whole point why i wanted to mention uh brian reynolds was just for the fact that you know him starting Marte, 
and uh, who's the other one I'm forgetting that could that should still be there? Oh, and Meadows. Imagine that outfield right there. Like that would be absolutely nasty. Absolutely yep, nasty. It would be good. But, but anyway, we'll get we'll kind of get back on track. I'm sorry, but I, I, it's still kind of relevant. Uh, my number eight is Young Jock. Young Jock. Young Jock Peterson. Uh, Jock Peterson's my number eight. You know, he's he's kind of dipped off just a little bit, just a little bit uh, the past couple of years. But man, the dude still hits for power. The dude still has just freakishly good power, not only in it will be the show, but in real life as well. Slugging percentage of 538, OPS of 876. Uh, and the only reason why that really hurts is just the OBP, just not there per se. Uh, mm. And I, w- I'd, I would love to know what his uh, batting average is with balls in play. I would absolutely love to know that because I don't know why. I just I don't know what it is. I can look it up. Okay, but. yeah, look it up. But I, I really like Jock Peterson. It, it was kind of hard to put him actually this far up on my list. I don't know if you have him on your list, like up further. But it, it was just hard for me personally. Um, but, I mean, he had a 127 OPS plus. Not the greatest defender by all means. Granted, he is in left field. Um, I'm trying to see if... Yeah. Yeah, his, oh, his batted ball in play is 249. Yep. So, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, the dude still hits for power. And, like, to have that in the left field spot, too, where you kind of just throw someone out there, it's not that bad. And... I like Jock. I like Jock. So he's my number eight. Well, I like Jock too, and he's my number seven. Um, for pretty much what you mentioned, the dude absolutely mashes the ball. Yeah. He does only hit 249. Like you mentioned, the, the on base is low at 339. The good thing with that being, though, is that there is like a 90 point difference between the average and the on base percentage. So it's not like he's not walking. Right. Uh, the 249 for batting average and balls in play is actually pretty low. I would guess that that's probably because he's a. a a pretty heavy fly ball hitter and so if it's not out of the stadium then typically those are going to get caught <laughs> honestly <laughs> but, uh, yeah so the reason i put him ahead of brian reynolds despite reynolds probably having a slight edge in terms of stats is just consistency uh, i'd like to see brian reynolds put together a full season especially with him being the guy now that Marte's out of the picture but jack peterson you mentioned the defense isn't great he was a even zero for outs above average but he was also tied for the top 10 in left field so yeah. When you look at it as far as positionally it goes, he's actually not that bad a defender. Uh, mm. 362 weighted on base average and a 127 WRC plus are definitely above average as far as that goes. Uh, I don't know. Jack Peterson, I've always been uh, a bit biased. He's got a noodle him. arm. He does have a noodle arm. Because I remember watching, I was at the 2015 Home Run Derby when I was in Cincinnati, and he was a part of that. And i got to say, watching him just absolutely crushed the ball at Great American Ballpark. Just made me dream that the Reds would find a way to acquire him somehow. Obviously, yeah. it didn't happen, but I, I guess I can dream. No, that's that's the funny thing, too. And uh, he was a rookie that year, too, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was his rookie season. He was, it was his and rookie was, year. And that's when he really put himself out on the map, really. Yeah, and well, every ball he hit, it seemed like, was like two rows from out of the stadium. Like, it was Dude, insane. Insane. I remember he hit the power stacks and whatnot, too, and... He really should have won that, but Todd Frazier somehow pulled it out of him for the Queen City. God bless that man. Five one three represent. But anyway, no, I don't. I don't hate your number seven at all. My number seven is Tommy Pham, and Tommy Pham is that guy we're talking about. <laughs> outs above average, negative eleven. Yikes. Um, but somehow put three point eight WAR up, and I think you can credit a lot of that to his offensive production last year. I actually thought you want to talk about fleecing. That was another big fleece as well. 
uh, Emilio Pagan and Tommy Pham getting shipped to the Padres for Jose Martinez. It was like a three-team deal or something. No, Jose Martinez was a part of the Cardinals trade. So what? That. what? Who do they get back? Is I... Hunter Renfro? Was that Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot? I don't know. They yeah, that, like no, that's who it was. Sorry, I get Manuel. Season. I get Manuel Margot and Jose Martinez mixed up all the time. I don't know why, but I felt like. Um, the Padres fleeced the race, though, because Padres got the better end of that deal. Amelia Pagan was arguably one of the best relievers, and you put him in there with Yates and, and Tommy Pham, man, it's going to be exciting to see what he does. But last year, um, he played in 145 games, which was the most out of his career, which is good to see. I hit 273. He's a he's a 277 career batting average. Um, so, you know, he's going to float around there, and you can't ask for more than that from, a, from an outfielder. OBP is really good, too, 369. I like to see him have a little bit more pop in his bat, but still, I mean, 21 bombs. I mean, you can't argue that. Mm. So 818 OPS. I really like Tommy Pham here at number seven, and um, really is just kind of the outs above average thing that kind of had me put him so low. Yeah, I mean, you're making this pretty easy on me. I've got Tommy Pham at number six. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, say he's less. <laughs> a pretty consistent hitter. Obviously, like you said, the power you'd like to have it more. 21 home runs isn't. Great. I doubt the power is going to go up, though, because I'm sure that the ball is going to be like impossible to head out of the yard this year because it's the MLB, and what else would you expect? And then on top of that, he's moving to San Diego, and that's not exactly a very hitter-friendly ballpark. So I would guess he probably sticks somewhere around 20 home runs, but he gets on base, uh, above league average hitter, 121 WRC+, plus, 349 weighted on base average. Yeah, I mean, and, and he put a 3.3 3 war by uh, fan graphs or 3.8 by baseball reference with being a horrible defender at negative 11 outs above average. So obviously he's getting things done at the plate. And I just felt like as a more complete package player, I, I felt that he would deserve to be ranked higher than some of the other guys I had on this list. And so that's why I slotted him at six. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just right there. I mean, Tommy fam, you can't go wrong, man. You really can't. I think he's a sneaky player. I think he's a very, un I think he's an undervalued player to be honest with you. A lot of people don't really, talk about him or they write him off but man you put him right there in that lineup be kind of interesting to see how, how he does in san diego like you mentioned but i guess we'll kind of go to my number six uh my number six uh get, let me uh let me un uh, fasten my batting gloves for a quick and flip my bat because it's bat flipping season baby mark canna what it do now i, I try to be as objective as possible and I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little subjective base, you know, a little bias in this too, but the way he really has molded into the Oakland A's lineup for the past two years when he was really a bench back, got sent down to the minors a couple times. He really just absolutely shot. I mean, 26 bombs, 913 OPS, 145 OPS plus. Dude just mashed baseballs. And usually he's quite abysmal defensively, but he was not necessarily that bad last year. Um, if you look at his... Uh, his defensive run saved above average. It was three points above league average. And so for that being in the left field, and you know, he could kind of dabble in center field too. They put him at first base every now and then as well. But Mark Canna, number six. Okay. Okay. I like it. I don't hate it. That's my boy right there. All right. Well, I'll do you one better. How about Mark Canna at five? <laughs> oh, oh my God. You I know, what's what's really funny is since we've been doing this, I think every time an Oakland athletic player's been on the list, you're like, I don't want to be biased or see anything <laughs> like that. And every time they're ranked higher on my list than they are on your list. I know that's because I didn't, with, I didn't with, even uh, have Matt Olson at number one. Right. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. This is a dude that's really coming into his own mm. in his 30, 31 uh, age seasons. Yeah. I mean, 26 home runs, uh, 273, OBP uh, 396, so just shy of 400 was awesome. 386 weight on base average. That's all-star to elite level. Uh, four war last year. Negative one in the outs above average, but like we said before, that's pretty much league average as far as left field yeah. goes, so that's nothing to really complain about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I think really helped was that his approach at the plate kind of changed. He jumped 5.2% as far as walk percentage, yeah. which is a huge jump for a year-over-year thing. Uh, the one thing that does suggest he might regress a little bit is that his batting average was a bit, or batting average on balls and play was a bit high, 20 points higher than what mm. his career is. But really, 20 points isn't that much, and it's definitely mm-hmm. not enough to explain the jump that he made. So I think you could credit that more to the adjustments he made at the plate than you can just him getting lucky. So I, I would imagine that at least over the next couple of years, he's going to be around the same area. Real quick, can you explain the batted in balls, like the, the batting average of balls in play again to everyone who's watching? Because I know for me it's like 240 to 260, but can you explain to the people watching what that is exactly? Yeah, so batting average on balls in play is just – Every time you hit the ball in play, whether it's a ground ball to third base or a home run or a pop-up, anything that puts the ball in play, mm-hmm. those are the only at-bats that get counted for batting average and balls in play. So batting average is just all of your at-bats. So if you strike out, then that counts. But it's just when you put the ball in play. So let's say in a game that you strike out once, you hit a home run, and you ground out to third, your batting average would be 333, but your batting average in balls in play would be 500 because you only put the ball in play twice. So it's kind of hard to tell with a range because every player is different about what it should be. I, usually it's typically somewhere around 300, but you get guys that are just really lucky for their career and they happen to sit at 340 for their career average. And then you have other guys, like a guy like we mentioned before, and Jack Peterson, his career batting average in balls in play is only 260. Mm-hmm. So really what you're looking for is a big change from what the career numbers are instead of just saying, oh, well, this guy's a 340, so eventually he's going to regress because it could be that that's just the type of hitter he is. And see, that was the big issue with having Tim Anderson like so high up on the list for shortstops, right? Because didn't he have like a really inflated uh, batting average of balls in play? Yeah, his was way up last season, which is a big part of why he ended up leading the league in batting average. I... I at least personally expect him to regress a good bit this year. Yeah. But real quick, shout out to Doc Medic 76 with a great idea. Uh, Noah, I think you have the, the stream pulled up as well. But he mm-hmm. said, make a squad out of your number one player in every position and play each other. So, Noah, that honestly is a great idea. Maybe we should do that after we finish going around the horn and whatnot with all these positions and have to uh, maybe stream it or something. Yeah, that could be good. Or we could... I mean, obviously, we'll work out the details, but mm-hmm. we could just make that the podcast the week after we finish, and we'll just talk the whole time while we play the... That, that would be really cool. That's a great idea. Doc Medic 76 thank you so much for that. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to, I believe, what, my number five? Yep. Yep, so my number five is Brian Reynolds. And I talked to Noah a little bit about this before the podcast. I told him that he was in my list, and... I, it's hard, it's hard, I understand, to have someone up there who... It's his first year and whatnot, but you really look at his numbers and like he almost played a complete like full game season, 134 games. The dude just got stupid Madison baseballs. I mean, 16 home runs, 37 doubles, four triples, uh, 46 walks as well. Uh, OPS plus 131, and he's 24. 
Uh, he finished fourth in Rookie of the Year for National League. A lot of people you might not even have heard of him because everyone mm -hmm. kind of counts off the Pirates. Let's be honest here. Um, it took me a little bit just to even figure out about him too. And like you said, just negative one outs above average. That's not bad at all, especially for left field. And it's going to be interesting because he is going to have to make that transition to center field probably um, this season. But Brian Reynolds, I mean, he's a sneaky guy. Also, the fact that he hits from both sides of the plate, that just makes him even more valuable. Uh, I couldn't put him up any more uh, than five just because of the other guys in front of him. But I really, really like Brian Reynolds. I think he has a, a bright future future ahead of him. Oh, yeah, I do too. I just I wanted to see more than one season because, I mean, we've talked about it numerous times on here i'm not going to dig back into it but yeah. you, you never know what a guy's going to do in a second season and so until you can get a bigger sample size as far as what a player is going to be it's hard to throw them way up super high on, on a list um mm -hmm. that's you know, that's I, why i didn't even have like eloy number 10 like i just have no idea and like he really i mean well eloy really struggled for long periods of time last yeah. season too so yeah. i yeah but i'll get into my number four a guy that's been around in the league for a while now oh, yeah? and michael brantley yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Houston Astro. Uh, wow. 22 home runs last year in 148 games. Uh, 311 batting average, 372 on base percentage, 503. Uh, slugging percentage, 367 weighted on base average, which is all-star level. Uh, 133 WRC plus is way above league average and 4.2 war despite putting up negative five outs above average. Uh, he's a guy that's dealt with injuries over the course of his career, and I think that that's kind of hit his defense a little bit. But he's been an all-star over each of the last three seasons, and I think a lot of that comes from the adjustments he's made at the plate. He has jumped roughly 4 to 5% in his hard hit percentage at the plate each of the last three seasons. That's like almost 15% in total of the balls he's hitting are now categorized as hard hit instead of like a medium or soft contact. And I think that that's really what's kind of allowing him to stick around and still be an all-star caliber player. And so... Given his production and the longevity of his career, despite dealing with injuries and the recent resurgence that he's made, I thought that that was enough to get him number four. Okay, okay. I think this might be where we start to see maybe a little bit of difference then. Uh, my number four, I have David Peralta. David Peralta, the outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, David Peralta, he, he dealt with some injuries, but he still had a, a, a very good season. Uh, 99 games, hit 275, still had over an 800 OPS. Uh, for his age, too, really not that bad whatsoever. Um, and his outs above average wasn't terrible as well. I mean, it was actually one point above uh, league average. And so you love to see that, especially for a guy his age. Now, his run save, though, wasn't necessarily that great. You know, like actually throwing guys out and whatnot. So he doesn't have the best arm. But, you know, he's a gold glover. He's a silver slugger and whatnot, and he's going to be key for Arizona moving forward. I don't know how many more years he um, actually won or that he has left on his contract. I don't, I'm not completely sure, but not a bad guy at all. I mean, he won the gold glove last year, so it's hard not to have him at number four. That's my number four. Well, here's here's the big shock for you. David Peralta did make my list. What? Yeah. Why are you? What? Well, here's what I'll say. Defense means a lot less to me in left field than it does at a position like shortstop or third base. And David Peralta's defensive numbers at one out above average, which, yes, it's top 10 for defense, but the offense wasn't enough for me to put him on the list at only a 107 WRC plus. So 7% above league average is not 
jump off the page at me. That would make him actually last on the list of players I have on the list anyways. And it just it wasn't enough for me to, to put him on. Dang. Okay. The defense just didn't justify the, the poor. I, I don't want to say poor offense because he's yeah, an above the, average the, hitter, but he didn't do enough for me offensively to get on the list. I'm interested to see who else is on your list. This is okay. All right. Well, my number three is Austin Meadows, uh, Tampa Bay Ray, 25 years old. Uh, 2019 All-Star was 14th in the AL MVP voting this uh, past season. Uh, 33 home runs, 291 average, 364 OBP, slugged 558, which is pretty great. Uh, 380 weighted on base average, 142 WRC plus and four WAR. Slightly below average defender, negative two outs above average. But at 25 years old, and he's only going to get better. And we can go back to this whole, uh, you know, the whole Pirates trade thing that's really just looking bad for him now. But I don't know. I just I think that he's going to continue to improve and probably going to jump up this list from three even here in the near future. I, I got to I'm so I'm I'm wondering who your number two is and your number one. I'm really trying to figure it out. It's driving me nuts. But I have to agree with you, man. Austin Meadows is my number three as well. Um, I think he would have done just fine staying in Pittsburgh, obviously. I knew he was going to be a, a huge name in coming years. I'm talking we already know how tough it would be to win the MVP in the National League. But in the American League, maybe he'll have a fighting chance in a couple years. You know, maybe if Mike's, Mike Trout ever, you know, does simmer down, which I highly doubt he will. Yeah, probably not. But probably not, but I'm just saying. I mean, they're not going to give him the MVP every year, so they're going to give it to somebody else. Right, so, I mean, he, he's going to be up there. He's going to be up there. Uh, 4.0 war last year, uh, 364 OBP, 558 slugging, just stupid numbers, man. 922 OPS. It's hard not to have him. I mean, I'm literally 24 years old. This guy is my age. What the heck am I doing with my life? Like, what? what am I doing? It, it's crazy when I think about, like, okay, when I graduated high school, he was playing high school baseball. Like, this is insane. And now mm-hmm. now he's a major league all-star, finished 14th in MVP votes. The closest thing I'd ever sniff to being an all-star is sitting in the first row at a game, okay? Let's just – let's just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling you how it is. This guy is going to be doing big things, big things here in the next couple of years, and that's why I have him as my number three. Okay, yeah. So my number two is a guy that I feel like – over the course of a year has just kind of been cast out into obsolescence and I'm not really sure why. And that would be the 30 year old outfielder for the New York Yankees in Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, he missed, uh, he only played 18 games in last season, but 2018, 38 home runs, 266 average, 343 on base percentage and a 509 slugging percentage, 360 weighted on base average, 129 WRC plus 4.3 war. And let's also not forget 2017, he was an all-star silver slugger and won the MVP in the National League before getting moved to the Yankees. On top of that, he's playing in Yankee Stadium now. When he's healthy, yes, there are a lot of strikeouts, but there's a lot of short porch in, in Yankee Stadium, and I think that that's going to be a big jump in his offensive numbers. So I, I, I think that once we get back to playing and once he's healthy, he's going to be huge for the middle of their lineup. Nice, nice. I mean, yeah, he definitely has a big bat and everything like that. Um Okay, okay, so that's your number two. I'll also mention that one out above average, he was above average as far as uh, defense goes in 2018 because obviously he didn't have 2019 numbers. He didn't qualify because right. he was injured. But Right. I mean, honestly, you're, I think he's definitely, like, in, like overall, I mean, there, there's a good chance that, for me, I think Stan could be a top-ten outfielder. 
the the only reason like why personally I didn't have him in my list was just because of the injuries, and I don't know how he's going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. But That's at, fair. but like like you said though, man. I mean, like in 2017 when he won the MVP, God, I, I wish he was on the Marlins still, man. I wish him, Yelich, Ozuna, dude, that team would be nasty. It would be um, a nasty team. But I, I unfortunately I don't have Giancarlo Santa on my uh, on my list, but I do have uh, Michael Brantley as my number two. Uh, Michael Brantley is my number two outfielder. Um, you know, a lot of people, what do you call it, cheat gate or whatever, you know, how there's always like a water gate or something like that or whatever they call it. Uh, what was what was the Patriots one? Spy gate? Spy Deflate gate. gate? Deflate gate. Wow, or they yeah, had two. Spy gate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to baseball. But Michael Brantley put up a 4.8 war last year, and I think it's very safe to say, even if he did take a part of the cheating, I don't think it really defines him as a player because when he was with Cleveland his entire time since 2009 the dude is damn dang near hit you know near 300 so I mean he's a three-time all-star in a row from 2017 2018 and 2019 uh, finished 30th MVP votes in 2014 I just think he still has it and you know when you see him playing whatnot um, he has such a I think he has the smoothest swing actually in Major League Baseball I really do. I I love his swing so much. He sprays the ball to all parts of the field. Uh, I think I think he's a special talent, man. And I know I know he's thirty three, and I, you had him as your number four, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, twenty two bomb skis, one twenty six OPS plus. That's pretty solidified for me for being my number two. Yeah, and I'm gonna go out and on a limb and say we probably have the same number one. If not, then this might be the biggest snub of all time. But at number one, I've got the 21-year-old stud Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals. You know, talk about you with Austin Meadows about being the same age and feeling like, what are you doing with your life? I mean, I feel the same way with Juan Soto, with him being 21 now, and what am I doing with my life? I mean, this dude's an absolute stud at the plate, 282 batting average, 401 on base percentage, 548 slugging, 394 weighted on base average, a 142 WRC plus is elite level. Uh, 4.8 F4. Um, this is a guy that I don't know what he did as far as defense, but in 2018, negative six outs above average. 2019, six outs above average. So he had a 12, a 12 point swing. Uh, went from being a horrible defender to actually leading the major leagues as far as left field goes in defense, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Second in, in 2018 Rookie of the Year voting, was ninth in MVP voting in 2019. Uh, I can speak for myself, and I believe he was also your uh, prediction for MVP for NL this year as well. He was I mean, my pick. You talk about – you hear the, the big meme of Gleyber Torres. He's only 22. He's only 23. I mean, Juan Soto is only 21 now, and this dude's way better than Gleyber could ever dream of being at this point. And I don't know. I just He's going to be at the top of this list for years to come, and he's just – that absolute stud. There's not much else to say. Yeah. I, first of all, I'm going to say I, I love Glaber Torres, by the way. I think he has the second best swing in all of baseball. Like, just like the path, at least. I love his swing. But no, Juan Soto. Juan Soto is definitely number one. Definitely number one. There, there's He's the most solidified player. And think of physically he's 21, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, you might look at him and you think he's 28, 29. I take pic- I take a look at the pictures of myself when I was 21, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I could have done better. I could have done better. No, but for real though, this guy's mentality, I've never seen it. He's so poised, and 
he acts like he's like a like a veteran that he's been in the league for ten years. Yeah, it's insane. And you know, I think the difference between him and Acuna, the cockiness. You know, Soto. I don't I don't really know how to describe it, but it's just kind of like. It's like more solidified, I feel like, than Acuna, because mm-hmm. Acuna feels like a di- it just feels a different type of cocky. I don't know if you can agree with me or not yeah. on that, but I mean Soto is just disgusting, man. 138 OPS plus 949 OPS. That's 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 definitely MVP. You're talking MVP when you get to that 920 930, because um, Trout had over a thousand, of course. But dude, Juan Soto, man, he's he's special, and I can't wait to just see him progress and and to keep growing through Major League Baseball. I mean, if we even take a look, 2018, even then, if you say, oh, it's not that that great of a sample size, 116 games, you know, 292 batting average, 406 OBP, 923 OPS, it's like, okay, you know, maybe, all right, pitchers will start to catch up to Juan Soto, find a weakness mm-hmm. and whatnot. Okay, here good, 2019, it just didn't happen, and he played 150 games. He took Garrett Cole opposite field on the train tracks. Yeah, against no, he's, he's insane. Dude is unreal. Like I'm talking generational talent, man. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome to see him, and hopefully you know when that day comes, you know I can have a you know kid and whatever and just grow up watch Juan Soto. Like that's incredible to like even think about. You know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's crazy. So, I mean, do you do you want? Should we run through our top our top ten again for those who maybe tuned in a little bit late? Yeah, we can if you would like to. All right, so you go first, my guy. All right, so I've got Marcelo Zuna at 10, Kyle Schwarber at 9, Brian Reynolds at 8, Jack Peterson at 7, Tommy Pham at 6, Mark Kane at 5, Michael Brantley at 4, Austin Meadows at 3, Giancarlo Stan at 2, and Juan Soto at 1. I love it. I love it. My Here's my list. Number 10, I got Marcelo Zuna. Number 9, Corey Dickerson. Number 8, Jack Peterson. Number seven, Tommy Pham. Number six, Mark Canna. Number five, Brian Reynolds. Number four, David Peralta. Number three, Austin Meadows. Number two, Michael Brantley. And number one, Juan Soto. But man, this 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 has just been a great podcast, man. I mean, it just gets better and better every week. I love that everyone talks with each other in the chat and whatnot. It's great. Everyone tunes in and whatnot. And then, guys, I'm telling you, you can re-listen or listen to old podcasts if you haven't already on our website, which has been scrolling across the top, www.chalktalknation.com. We're on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's free. Um, so be sure to tune in on that. Follow us. This this video or this podcast will be live tonight on May 17th. So be sure to check that out. And Noah, do you want to talk a little bit more about your YouTube before we head out? Yeah, I mean, just check it out. It'll be up here tonight. So uh, head over to our YouTube channel to take a look at that. I mean, if you've tuned in at all to Robbie's uh, streams when he was doing the Marlins every day for the franchise, it's kind of going to be similar to that, except instead of being a live stream every day, it's going to be more like episodic. So I'll be talking about things not like in the game. So looking at different prospects and this is going to be like a, like a multiple year thing and not just a, like let's play every game of every, every day at the time and and something like that. So it's going to be a bit more expansive than what you're getting where you were just seeing only like the actual games being played with, with Robbie stuff. So it should be a lot of fun. Go check it out uh, tonight on the YouTube channel. Absolutely. And next Sunday night at 6 PM Eastern time, 
Noah and I will be doing our top 10 center fielders at Major League Baseball. So you can take it with a grain of salt. You you can tell us who your number one is right now if you even wanted to. Um, I think we'd all be in pretty much agreement, but we're not going to. Yes, spo- spoiler alert, our number one is Mike Trout. Yeah. So make sure you tune in next week to see who two through ten are. Yeah, that's what that's what we should make the podcast. Well, do we should make the podcast uh, just our second through nine or second to ten top or whatever. I don't even know. I'm just so dumb. I'm just I'm just so dumb at this point. But no, guys, we really appreciate every single one of you for tuning in. Uh, I will be live tomorrow night on our Twitch channel at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to play some MLB The Show, run some uh, Diamond Dynasty, some BR maybe, just kind of dabble in different things, maybe go after that new program that came out. It's going to be interesting to see. But thank you guys so much. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're not following yet on Twitch, why not? If you only want to, hit that heart. And appreciate you guys. Peace out.